I am really thankful to be in God's presence this morning. And so we're starting a, a new series called The Story of God. And, and you'll see up here that there's six items. And basically, I just want to give you an overview of what we're going to do in this series so that you have a good understanding of, of what's happening. So what we want to do with this series is, is I want you to see the overall story of Scripture. The overall story. So we're we're gonna we've kind of got it boiled down into six elements. And and this um, Dr. Tim Green, who most of you have probably heard speak before here, um, he he wrote a book about this. But but there are these six elements that we worked on and and thought these are the big parts of the story of God. And the the goal is to get this big picture of what God has done in Scripture. But not just this big picture, but to understand what this story means to us. And so every story, if you've read books, if you've watched movies, every story has a plot. It's a story. Most stories start out in a pretty good place. Everything's going well. And then all of a sudden, every story has a dilemma. There's a problem. And things get messed up. And then you work through the story. You guys know how, I don't know why I'm telling you this. You guys know how stories work. But the story of God is no different. And sometimes I think we read scripture uh, like one piece at a time. And we forget that there, there is a story of what God is doing here on earth. And that, that's what we're reading when we read Scripture. So my, my goal for this is that we will be able to look at these big elements or these big themes of the story of God and get a big picture. But, but then my goal is that each of us will understand what these themes, what these places mean to us. And so we're going to start today. I want this to kind of serve, it, it, I know it's not officially a timeline, but I want this to serve as kind of a timeline for us, so I'm going to go through it real quick. We, we have the creation and the fall of man represented by the apple. I'm not going to pick up the scroll here because it's really big, but we have a scroll and what this scroll represents is the covenant that God covenants with us. And then we have a, a crown which represents the people of Israel calling out to God and saying, we need a king. So, so we were created, and then God came and covenanted with us, with Abraham, with the people of Israel, but then the people of Israel decided that, that they needed a king just like everybody else because they had problems, and they forgot that God's covenant gave them what they needed, and they started asking for a king, so we've got a crown here. Then we have the crown of thorns. You probably know what this represents. This represents the true king, Jesus Christ, who came and was the true king that we needed all along. Not an earthly king, but a true king. And then this lantern here represents the church because Jesus commissioned us to be the church, to be the hope of God for the world. And then at the end, we have a statue of a lion and a lamb. And what this represents is at the beginning, which we're going to talk about today, there's this picture of what God intended things to be like. But then we have a dilemma that we're going to talk about today, but the end over here is the resolution. It's the kingdom of God being established. What it was created to be will be one day. And so I want you to see this, this story overall. Each of these represents a piece of the story of God. But I think it would be easy for us today 
to say, okay, you know, this is the, the creation, and then I can trace the, you know, the, the covenant early in, in, in the Old Testament, and then we've got the kings, and then we got, you know, Jesus coming in the New Testament, and you can kind of trace through this, and you could think, okay, if this is a timeline, then we probably exist somewhere in between here. And we could think that this is our place in the story. But what I want us to understand is that this story is not just a timeline of events, but it is our, it's our DNA. It's who we are. If we're reading Scripture as a historical textbook, we're missing the point. God is doing something in this world, and God is doing something in our lives, and I believe that each one of these events, each one of these themes is real to us and relevant to us. And, and so, so we have this timeline. But I want you to understand another thing. This, the creation, the creation of man, the creation of earth, the creation of the world, was not the beginning. We see in Scripture that before the creation, God existed. In fact, let's look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. So really, this timeline does not start here. But before this, we had God. We had the Father, the Son, the Spirit. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to understand, we talked about this a little bit in the last series, I want you to understand that this is not just our story. This is God's story. This, this existed before us and will go on for eternity. And so we find ourselves in God's story. We were not the beginning of existence, but God, the Father, the Son, the Word existed before. And then we see we come into the picture here at the beginning. So we are characters in this great story. How many of you are uh, movie he like superhero fans? How many of you watch the Marvel movies? Okay, this is a terrible um, metaphor. It's, that's a good thing for me to tell you as a pastor. This is a terrible thing I'm going to tell you, but, but this reminds me of like the Marvel movies. So we have all of these Marvel movies, right? And like there is a Spider-Man and then a Spider-Man 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 7 and I don't know how far it goes. And then there's Thor and then there's, you know, there, there's all of these different, that's all I could come up with right there. But there's all of these different stories but they all exist within the Marvel Universe. I would be able to tell you more, but I'm not really that big into it. But, but I understand that each of these stories exist within a larger story. And so for us, we are a part of this story. We exist within God's story. And so today I want to start and I want to talk to you about this part of the story. About the creation and the fall of man. And you probably know what this Apple represents, we see the story of man being created and put into the garden. And so, so we're going to be looking at this apple, and then next week we're going to get into covenant. But, but we are a part of God's story. 
And, and the truth is, the story of God is more, just like I said, than a linear story, than a sequence of events, but it's our story. You, you may have a story of your own, like you grew up in Ohio, you moved to this place, you worked this job, you did this. Ultimately, your story exists within the story of God. You cannot separate yourself from God's story. God created you. God sustains you. And so even if you've got your own little subplot, you are a part of God's story. It's our story. And each point is relevant to our lives. So, so we're going to look at, at the beginning, and, and I don't want to tell, I feel like I've preached on the creation so many times, so what I want to do today is I just want to kind of talk about, I want to tell the story of creation without reading it in scripture. So here's the deal. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, did a pretty good job. It, the teens were just out at the Grand Canyon. I don't know if any of you have been on vacation. I'm getting ready to go on vacation today, going to go to the beach. There's a lot of the, the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. And then on day six, which we talked about a few weeks ago, God created man. We came into existence. We entered the story. God invited us into his creation, into his story. And so man comes into the picture, and man is then put in the garden, and God creates woman to, to be with man. And so really what we get at the beginning of Scripture is we get this picture of this beautiful, this beautiful paradise where man is put and, and woman is put and, and we have this relationship with God and God is with them and God provides for them. They have beautiful trees that give them fruit. They have everything they need. And we see this picture the way that God designed it to be for man to live in perfect relationship with his creator. And so we have the, the creation story, Genesis 1 through 3. And, and man has everything they need. Man has peace. Man has perfection. Man has everything. This is what we're, we were created for. I want you to understand that this picture we see in Genesis was God's design for us. That we would live in perfect relationship with our Creator that we would be totally provided for by our Creator, that we would have everything we need and be in relationship with God. And this is what we were created for. I was thinking about this, and I'm sorry, I'm going to be emotional today because I want to talk about my past. I grew up in an almost perfect home. How many of you would say you grew up in an almost perfect home? I grew up, I mean... I know that my parents weren't perfect. I know that not everything was perfect, but I really believe that my upbringing, that my home that I grew up in was about as close to paradise and as close to the Garden of Eden as you could possibly be. See, I had, I had two parents that loved me. I had two parents that gave me everything I needed. When I was in grade school, my dad every morning would pack my lunch and he would put the food in a brown paper bag, but before he would put the food in the brown paper bag, 
he would draw something on it or he would write something on it to tell me how much he loved me. My mom, early on, started teaching me everything I needed to know to go to school. I was loved. My, my parents were so good to me. I had everything I needed. I was in a pastor's home. I went to a church. I went to several churches that, that my dad pastored, and I was loved by the people there. I had, man, my life was like the Garden of Eden. I was loved. I was provided for. I had everything I needed. My dad would drive us to carpool to school in the morning and he would do ridiculous things like hold our science project above the car on the roof as we drove and we would think, could we lift the car off the road if we drive fast enough? And I had it great. When I ran for student council, my dad created a, a slogan for me, don't be daffy, vote Mahaffey. <laughs> it was pretty good. Man, I... I know that this isn't everyone's experience, but man, my, my childhood was about as close as you can get to perfection. I think I've told this story before, but we moved from here, from Westchester down to Dallas when I was in second grade, and I was heartbroken because a few of my best friends, Andy Dunn and, and Ryan Betcher and Ryan Hall were my best friends and I just couldn't think about what life would be like without my friends and so we moved to Texas and I was heartbroken. And I remember my dad came into my room one day and he told me afterwards that he was committed to do whatever he could to make me happy. He said, if you would have said, can I go to Ohio I would have gotten in the car and I would have driven you to Ohio because I love you that much. Man, my life was, was awesome. I couldn't have been more loved. I couldn't have been better provided for. I had a perfect example of Christ in my home. I had wonderful churches. I mean, I, I lived in the Garden of Eden. My dad and I would go to Taco Bell or Taco Bueno for lunch. He'd come pick me up from school. We'd go to Taco Bueno, which is a cheaper version of Taco Bell, which is scary, isn't it? <laughs> We'd go eat like 59-cent burritos. <laughs> Man, I had it so good. But then uh, something changed. See, I had it all at home. I was loved. I was provided for. I had a perfect example and a perfect relationship, but then something changed because all of a sudden I started to see some other things that I wanted. I started to think that maybe there was something better for me, that maybe there was a place that I could find more value, maybe there were things that I could do that would give me a better life than I had there. And I started to, to change. And all of a sudden, this paradise that was home where I was loved and I was provided for and, and I had everything I could ever need, all of a sudden, it didn't seem like enough to me. If you know the story of Adam and Eve, all of a sudden, in paradise, the serpent says, hey, look at that apple over there that God told you not to eat. Don't you want to eat it? 
Don't you think if you just eat that apple, your life will be a little bit better? Don't you think that God's trying to hold you back? I, I lived in paradise, but all of a sudden I started to think there was something better. And if I could just make people like me, if I could just get people, if I could just get people to, to think I was cool, if I could just date the best-looking girls, if I could just be the star player on the team, man, I'd have it much better. And all of a sudden, that paradise didn't seem like paradise anymore. And all of a sudden, just like the serpent said, hey, don't you think that God's trying to hold you back? All of a sudden, I started to think things like, my parents don't want me to enjoy myself. So they have these crazy rules for me. And all of a sudden, paradise, where I had everything I could ever want and everything I could ever need, wasn't good enough for me. And I started to change. And I wasn't focused on God's love, but I was focused on popularity and things like that. And so I started acting different. I started trying to act tough. It's pretty hard to act tough when you cry all the time. I started to act like no one could mess with me. Hey, you know, you mess with me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat you up. But the truth is, if I ever saw a fight, I'd just start crying because <laughs> that's who I am. Started doing my hair ridiculous ways. I love to go back and look at the old yearbooks and see all the crazy, ridiculous-looking hairstyles I had. I tried to dress a different way. I tried to do everything I could to find that something else. I started talking different. I started to do things that were outside of the rules that my parents had for me. And in all honesty, I, I messed up a bunch. I broke my parents' trust in this Eden that I lived in, this Garden of Eden, this perfect place, all of a sudden was broken. And there was grounding, and there was trouble, and there was pain. Can any of you relate with this? Man, it's good to have our teens back. This is my story. I'm not, I'm not making any of this up. And my prayer is that each and every one of us will understand that we have everything we need in God. And the apple is a lie. And so, so this is the story of God. This is my story, and it intersects perfectly with the story of God because just like God created and gave paradise, I had paradise. I had everything I needed. I had a God that loved me. I had a father that loved me. I had a mother that loved me. I had everything I needed, food on the table, toys to play with, everything I needed. But I started to think that there was something else. And that's what happens in our story. Adam and Eve were in the perfect place and everything's good. And all of a sudden they start to think there's something else. And here comes the dilemma to our story. Here comes the problem to our story. You probably know the story. Adam and Eve listen to the serpent. They take the apple that they're not supposed to eat and they eat it and all of a sudden the perfect trust and the perfect relationship they have with God is broken. They've lost trust. Immediately they realize they have shame for what they've done. Shame wasn't there before they, they did what was wrong. It wasn't there. It was perfect. God was in perfect relationship. There wasn't shame. There wasn't pain. There wasn't any of that. And all of a sudden, they thought there was something better, and they stepped outside of the bounds of what God had for them, and immediately, shame. 
and pain came into the picture. And, and all of a sudden, they realized that they were naked, and they realized that they weren't good enough, and they realized that they were broken. And so Adam and Eve blew it, just like I blew it growing up. They blew it. I, I want to look at, at Romans chapter 1. We're going to read this together. I'm going to start in verse 20, and it's not going to be on the screen, but it, we're going to pick it up in verse 21 on the screen. Adam and Eve had it all. They had it perfect. And then all of a sudden, they thought there was something better. Listen to this scripture. In verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen and being understood what, from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Listen, I had no excuse. My parents never gave me any reason to doubt their love for me or my value to them. From the beginning of time, God's qualities were perfectly clear. It was clear in the garden that the Creator God loved them. Let's pick it up in verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave, him th gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of, the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. And listen to this. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. So they knew God. They knew provision. They knew blessing. They, they knew they had it all in the garden. But all of a sudden, something creeps in. And something looks like maybe they could have something better. And the apple comes into the picture, and the serpent comes into the picture, and they are deceived. In verse 23, it says, They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like man and animal and reptile and all that. Listen, the word for the glory of God, the word in, in Hebrew for glory, is the word kabod. And what that really means is the weight. Now, in, in that day, weight was the measure of value. So if you had something that was, was heavy and, and gold or silver, the heavier it was, the more valuable it was. It had weight. And so when this says they exchanged the, the weight, the glory of God, this is talking about the value of God. This is talking about they had the almighty God. Adam and Eve had the Almighty God right there with them in the garden. And they traded it for an apple. <laughs> for what they thought was going to help them. For what they thought was going to give them a better life. And it says then down in verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Listen, I, I know I've said this a hundred times now, but I had the perfect home. I had perfect parents, near perfect. I had the perfect situation. And I exchanged the peace and the love and the value and the hope 
that I had at home for a lie that there was something better. And, and it didn't end well for me. I mean, I'm still here. <laughs> Hopefully it'll end well. <laughs> but, but it took me to some bad places. I love that this says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie because the truth is my parents loved me no matter what and my parents were willing to go to great lengths to take care of me and I had everything I needed but I started to believe a lie that if I would just do this or I would just look this way or I would just talk like this or I would just be more popular or I would just be more successful that my life would be better. And I remember a night in junior high when I had tried so hard to be popular and I had tried so hard to be liked by girls and I had tried so hard to be perfect and I came to a point that I didn't think life was worth living because I believed a lie that there was something better than God had for me. And it led me to a place where I was almost willing to give it all up because I thought I was worthless. It was a lie. Listen, today, if you think there's something better than God's perfect provision and peace in your life, it's a lie. It's going to lead you to a place of pain and brokenness. I remember another time, it was my senior year of high school. I've told this story before, but I wanted to be good at basketball. I wanted to be a college basketball player. And I remember the night that my season ended my senior year. And I sat on the bench as my team played their final game because I had been benched by my coach. And I went home and I felt worthless. I had believed a lie that if I could just be good enough at basketball, people would love me more and I'd have more value. And I've told this story before, but I was standing there in my kitchen, just brokenhearted, feeling like a complete loser. And my sister was practicing the piano and she started playing the song, Child, I love you, how I love you. Child, I love you, how I love you, how I love you. And all of a sudden, I realized that the God who created me, the God who put me in the Eden situation, the God who gave me everything I ever needed, loves me. And my value doesn't lie in whether girls like me. My value doesn't lie in whether I'm a good basketball player. My value doesn't lie in, in how popular I am. But my value lies in my creator, in the perfect love and peace and provision and life that I have and my creator, I was believing a lie, but God's truth was there for me. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says this. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Then verse 17, and this is what I want you to hear. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. 
This is the good news. It's the bad news and the good news. Now this says, do not love the world. This doesn't mean that we have to hate the world around us. This doesn't mean we have to go to the beach and say, oh, this place is terrible. This doesn't mean we have to not play basketball or, or not, you know, date or not have friends. This doesn't mean that we have to just sit in a, at home and to ourselves and shun the world. That's not what this means. What this means is that we should never trade the glory of God, the weight of God, the eternal God that created us and loves us and provides for us. We should never trade the truth of that for the lie that you can find better elsewhere. Every time you do that, it's going to lead you to pain and death. And so it says the world and its desires will pass away. Listen, you may be really successful. You may be a really good basketball player. You may have a lot of friends. In the end, that will not, that will not give you everlasting life. The only place you can find that is in Christ. And so, so Adam and Eve had a perfect situation. They had clear instructions. They had everything they needed for paradise. And, and we do too. Because we have the story of God. We have God's word. We have... God's instructions for us to live the life that God has for us. We could live in paradise if we just follow God's plan, if we just understand God's love, if we just trust in God. God's word is our blueprint. We have a, a wonderful, wonderful gift in the story of God to know exactly how we can live in paradise with our Creator. And so today, I, I just, if you're struggling with your value, God's Word tells you that your Creator God loves you for who you are. Not if you get the perfect haircut, not if you become better, not if you become more liked, not if you get a promotion. God loves you just as you are. If, if you're struggling with how to handle a situation, you have God's word to tell you how to lean on the almighty God who provides for you. If you're feeling unloved, you're loved. God loves you. And so, so don't cause yourself more pain and more hurt. Don't believe a lie that there's something other than God that can give you what you need. Don't exchange the glory, the value of the almighty God for a lie. Adam and Eve blew it. I blew it. I still blow it every once in a while. Every once in a while I'm tempted to think that my value lies in how good of a preacher I am. I'm tempted to think that my value lies in, in how much other people like me or, or, or think that I'm, I'm a good guy or I'm a religious person or I've got it all together. I believe a lie. Man, if you're believing a lie today, the story of God the creation and the fall teaches us that we have a God that is truth and is life. And so I want you to understand that Adam and Eve blew it and I blew it. But here's the best news of all. The scripture in 1 John here, it says, The world and its desires 
will pass away. If you've put your hope in the world, if you've put your hope in your looks or your talent or any of that stuff, that's temporal. It will pass away. But the good news comes after that. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Today, you have a God that loves you more than you'll ever know. More than you'll ever know. I love, one of the things we don't talk about in the story of the creation is that, that Adam and Eve are created and they're placed in this paradise and then they blow it and they eat the apple and they turn against God and they realize they're messed up. And, and one of the things we don't often talk about is what happens next. And that's that God, even in their brokenness and their pain, clothes them, gives them what they need calls them into relationship, and we're going to talk more about that, but we have covenant that follows the fall. And so I, I want you to understand this morning that if you're in a place where you've blown it and you've messed up and it's all, you feel worthless, you feel like you haven't made it, I want you to understand that God loves you and God pursues you and God provides for you. And that paradise that God created in the beginning, guess what? One day... It'll be back. And all we need to do is turn to our Savior. And so I want the band to come up. And I, I just want to ask you a, a simple thing. Are you finding your hope and your trust in the Almighty God that loves you, that values you, that gives you everything you need? Are you in a place where you would say, I just want to live for God, I just want to experience God? Or are you in a place where you're struggling? I got one more quick thing. Yesterday I had lunch with a guy. I had lunch with a guy that, um, he used to be a youth worker in my youth group when I was younger. And we were talking about um, the difficulties that had gone on in his life, and we were sharing our stories because I hadn't seen him in about 15 years, and, and we started talking about these, these difficulties that we had both faced. But you know what we both said? He said, how are you? How are you? And I said, I've never been better because God loves me, and God is still working, and God is still restoring and this guy's been through a difficult time. I mean, he was sharing his pain and his hurt. And I said, how are you? And he said, I'm loved. And I'm provided for. And I have everything I need and more. Listen, today if you find yourself in a place where you would say, you know what, I've, I've started believing a lie. I've started thinking that there's something better for me. I've started to think that if I perform a certain way, or I achieve something, or I can get people to like me, that I'll be better off. And you've traded the glory of God for a lie. I want to invite you to a God that loves you. I want to invite you to a God that's still providing for you, even in your struggle and your pain. I want to invite you to offer yourself to God today. For some of you, you may have blown it. You may have missed the mark. If that's you, I, I want to invite you to come. And I want to, I want to invite you just to say, God, I want the paradise. I want the relationship. I, I want to know you. I want your glory.
And, and maybe there's some of you in here that are, you've been a Christian your whole life, but maybe you've just started to believe a lie that if you just do this, you can have better. If you want to offer yourself to God today, if you want to just bow before the Creator God and say, God, I love you, and I want to be in your presence, and I don't want to believe a lie anymore, I want to invite you to come and pray. Father, be with us in this time of response. Father, I know that, I know that there are people here that are believing a lie. I know that there are people here that that are trying so hard to earn the love of others or the respect of others. I know there are people here that are trying to earn their value. And I know there are people here this morning that feel like complete failures, feel like everything's gone wrong. Father, I pray that you would speak to us and that you would give us your hope and your peace and your life today. In Jesus' name.